Hey, it's Chris Jones with The Jones Zone, and I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Hey, real quick, before we get started, I have a favor to ask. If you've listened to the podcast before, or if you enjoy the episode you're about to hear, please like the podcast on social media, and please leave a review. Having listeners like and review the podcast is the fastest way for it to grow and reach more people, and we really want to share our stories with the biggest audience possible. Thank you. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Jones Own Real Estate Team. That's right. We sponsor our own podcast. So if you know of anyone looking to buy, sell, rent, or invest in residential real estate in the Charlotte, Fort Mill, Rock Hill area, have them connect with us on their favorite platform. Enjoy the show. It's Chris and Brian Jones, your real estate advocates, community connectors, talking Charlotte and York County area real estate, and interviewing business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Welcome to the Jones Zone Podcast. All right, you're going to count me down? I'm going to count you down. Count me down. All right, you going to let me finish this time? Yes. All right, so five, four, three. You shut your mouth. Five, four, three. To hit it, Chris. Welcome to the Jones Zone Podcast. What's up, Brian? What's up, man? How you doing? Good, man. How's your day? Good. It was good. You know, we we've been we had an interesting appointment. We've been together pretty much all yeah, day. Yeah, we just <laughs> left uh, Tyndall Tyndall Masters. That's podcast fodder. That's what that is. What does that mean? It's just like small talk. Small talk. No so you don't really about. you really don't yeah. care. All right. You want to just get into it? Today? Let's just get into it, man. All right. Today, we, hey, do you go by John or Jonathan? We didn't ask. Uh, it, it, you know, my mom obviously likes Jonathan, you know. Well, you got to make mama happy. There's some Jonathan. weird politicians and religious <coughs> characters named Jonathan. There so. is a John Edwards who, didn't he get, like, <laughs> yeah, the Dominican yeah, Republic yeah. with his mistress? All right, let's go Jonathan. We'll make, let's make mama happy. It's all good. Jonathan Edwards, who is an Olympian. He's an expert in high performance and athletic development. Um, the Athlete's Guide to Winning in Sports Life is a book that he just came out with. It actually just became available uh, for pre-order. It's the ultimate resource for athletes who have a dream and want that dream to come true. This book is for every athlete from high school to the pro level. It's part sports psychology, part business plan for athletic success. Jonathan does corporate speaking. He does motivation. He has online courses for high performance. He's the host of a podcast called Business Called You. He currently runs the number one teaching and coaching resource for goalies at lacrossegoalietips.com. Where are you reading all this, this stuff? This guy is in everything. Dude, I love, how, I love how it's the number one teaching and coaching resource for goalies. You really, very specific, you really very niche. niched down. I got, a, I got a story behind that too, man. It's, it's, <laughs> all right, it's, awesome. yeah, it's all good. Well, Jonathan, welcome to the Jones Zone, man. Good to have you. You know, it's funny when people read th- that stuff about you. You realize, like, I'm not easily definable, um, and, and then and then I've got a pretty varied, um, you know, pretty varied uh, background, I guess. Um, but no, thanks, man. This is great. Yeah. And actually, my nickname years ago was Joan. You know, so it kind of fits. Okay, Joan, uh, so, like so John E. John E. Right. I wrote John E. on all my lacrosse equipment, and people called me Joan. Oh, so that was, nice. That, that was it. So no, we're a bunch of Joneses today. So awesome, no, like to be on. Like this is, you know, I guess the common thread through all that stuff. You know, yeah, you know, I competed in the Olympics, and then, and what's interesting is that when you're done with the Olympics, everybody your whole life is telling you, like, oh man, nothing's going to be better than what you did at the Olympics. Life, like, basically, life is going to suck from here. That's kind of what people yeah. tell you. And and you know, one of the things that I I, I took. Uh, to heart about 16 years ago was I learned about marketing 
and I learned about audiences and I learned about, uh, you know, picking a niche sort of thing. And the funny story about the lacrosse website, you know, uh, which is a, is a kind of good best business lesson was, yeah, that was a, you know, remember here, niches and riches or riches yeah. and niches, right? And, niches well, like it's riches. funny, I picked a niche there and I do have like the top lacrosse goalie blog that I've run for now like 16 years, which is really a labor of love, but the niche is too small <laughs> and it's not very profitable. Um, and, um, but it's, it's passionate, right? It's, it's, and so I think the lesson there for everybody is that, you know, you, there are niches, there are pockets of people, um, and they're passionate about stuff. And, 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 and if you can be kind of the, the, the expert in a niche, then it's, it's really satisfying personally, that's for sure. Um, but, um, but, uh, yeah, it's funny cause that I do that really out of labor of love now. <laughs> yeah. just, uh, it's, uh, it's the right, widest red goalie blog in the world. Well, if you don't mind, man, why don't you walk us through a little bit of your personal story, like you're, you know, growing up and all that sort of stuff, and then some of your professional background, and then how you got into the Olympics and all the other stuff that you're doing now. I mean, keep... Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really, that's a good question. You know, I, I'm from Boston, born and raised, and uh, both my parents were uh, musicians. They both had their masters in music. And uh, I, uh, at, you know, somewhere along the way, about 10 and a half, grade five or so, whatever that is, I got into some sports and I just fell in love with it. And um, I just, no real plan, you know, at the time, uh, obviously didn't have a family. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? How unprofessional is that? Put it on airplane I'm mode. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is ridiculous. <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. No, you're good. Um, so, um myself this up. is it let's just end, end this it all. forget it so Sorry, dude, we'll start. so so um so i used to go to a summer camp in upstate new york my uh my, my dad was the music director at this at the oldest boys camp the oldest ymca in north america called camp dudley and um and i used to go there every summer and there were two counselors there two two leaders who when they were in their 20s they wanted to do something cool before life got serious hmm. and they picked a sport they could go to the olympics in and they picked luge and uh, so I moved up to Lake Placid, New York, tried it on ice, uh, and got hooked. And uh, and then you know one one thing left, you know, led the other. And what's interesting about Olympic sports is that you are instantly on a track of of, of, of a course, like not necessarily the course of luge, but just the the life course that there's this very definable goal at the end of it. Like you will be an Olympian or you will not. And so what I find really interesting is that. Uh, you know, just kind of, I'm a very visual thinker, you know, you kind of have this scattered life, you're doing all this stuff, and then finally you pick a course and you're leading to this end. But when we get out of that, you know, it's the, it's really the other way around. You know, like, let's use real estate, for example. You pick real estate, but then there's all these different ways to do this, right? Mm -hmm. you, you need to get clients, I need to get find, I need to find buyers, I need to find sellers, I need to find listings. And, and, and it's just kind of the reverse, and because the, the end is not that clearly defined. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and a lot of athletes suffer with that when they leave sport because they're not on this like defined path anymore. It's very, it can be quite confusing. So the the, the world of sport is really interesting, and 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 it's it's really about you know you're either you're you're building basically three abilities: a physical ability, a technical ability, and a tactical ability to figure it all out. And you need all three to be successful, just like in life. Like when you pick finally you know career, you got to have those three three things going for you. But it's a mental test of your belief, and and you know uh, I 
got pretty good at it pretty quickly. I got paired up with a kid from Michigan, and we started we were, we started doing doubles, and we did really well really quickly. And uh, we were alternates to the '92 Olympics, and and which was really a crushing defeat, to be honest. Um, and then um, two years later, when they started alternating the Olympic Games, mm-hmm. uh, summer winter, uh, we finished fourth in uh, Lillehammer, Norway. All right. And, so how old were you? Oh man, about twenty-one. Okay, and then how how long did you train to get to the Olympics? And and then like when you say you were partnered up, like who partnered you up with this guy? Were you in a, like a camp or like how, yeah, how did all this work? Exactly. Like uh, I got a phone call from a guy named Dimitri Feld, and I guarantee you there'll be somebody on this podcast that knows Dimitri. He's just this uh, Russian dynamo who's just super friendly, knows everybody. He was coach at the time. And, um, uh, so we, we had done this junior camp. I, I left my school. I went away for two weeks, uh, to Lake Placid, New York. I stayed for five and, um, you know, I, I was playing hockey at the time and, uh, but did pretty well. Won like the first big junior race I was in. And then that summer they were like, Hey, you know, you're this body type and he's this body type. And if we put the two of you together, we'll make a doubles team. And so, um, so yeah, Dimitri called me in the summer. Said, "Hey, Johnny E, how you want? You want to do some doubles?" And I said, "Sure. Let's, you know, with who?" And it was Mark. And um, and so we got paired up, and we, you know, we had success early. Although we were two very, very different people, like very different people, and so we had success for a long time. And uh, and um, yeah, we competed all the way together till ninety five, ninety six, and uh, finished fourth overall in the world. Won a couple World Cup medals, and. Um, and it's interesting, like luge in North America, a lot of people don't know too much about it, but in Germany, uh, it's like softball. You yeah. know, it's like everybody's done it. You know, guys go out on a weekend, get a couple beers, and go have some runs. And and the the, the winner, the sport, the, the best in the sport are like you know they're icons. Mm. You know, so it's it's a really it's a, a total juxtaposition. You know, you come home to North America, nobody really knows what that talking about. You go to Germany, and it's like. Luge, wow, yeah, for like, sure. It's you know, one of those sports where I always wonder, like, how anyone even gets started. Like, how how do you, you just hop on and just All right, so let's in. take a step back. Can you tell the people who are listening that don't know what luge is? Can you explain <laughs> to right. the North Americans? So so it's, it's in the Winter Olympics. And, you know, in the Winter Olympics, it's one of the first sports that goes on in the Olympics. So it's done in the first five days of the Olympic Games. And uh, you basically, you're on this track of ice, this roller coaster of ice that's, uh, it's basically kind of like a hockey rink. It's the same mechanics. It's, it's concrete and steel and frozen ammonia pipes that make the steel, the concrete cold and they spray water on it. And you have this, this track to go down. And so luge, there's three sports, luge, bobsled, and skeleton. Luge, you're on your back going feet first. And then uh, bobsled, which a lot of people know from you guys who play football, uh, will go to bobsled. And so that's where you have like two guys and four guys running at the top of the track and they jump in and go. Um, And then skeleton is head first. So they're three very different sports all on the same track. Why didn't you do skeleton? You had some sense about you? I mean, how fast do these these sleds go? go? They go fast, right? Luge is the fastest of the three, so um, it's it, the sled has the most control, and uh, the, the 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 runners or the steels that we call them, they're actually sharp on the inside edge. So you know when you're going down and you're doing you know in a track like in Vancouver, British Columbia, where you, where you'll do 140 some odd kilometers an hour. That's close to 80 80 miles an hour, right? So you're basically going down, and you're trying to be. It's weird. You're trying to be as relaxed as possible. 
to go as fast as possible, but you're hitting all these different G forces. You're getting three, four, five times your body weight in some of these curves, and you have to be like on it because if you if you if you try to steer in a straightaway, the sled will skid and steer out of control. And you know, for those of you that might might have been watching the Olympics back in 2010, we had a guy die, flew out of the track and hit a post and died. You know, so it's it's definitely the most dangerous of the of the three for sure. And then uh, in doubles, one of you has to lay on top of the other, right? Yeah, this is true, and this is where it gets really weird. Um, so yeah, the top man is strapped to the sled, like basically buckled in, and um, and the bottom guy, which I was, like you're on the bottom. So uh, so at the start, the bottom guy is responsible for probably about eighty five percent of the power at the start. Um, and then when you're going down the track, the bottom man is doing the power steering and a lot of the correcting, and the top man is doing a lot of the fine tuning um, because he can see and the bottom guy can't. So you learn how to do this really going blind, which is really kind of cool. So yeah, and, and then you're getting that G that G force when you're getting compressed by not only your own body weight but that of the top man on top of you. And I'll tell you this: I'm 45 now. I still have a lot of the you know my body took a lot of beating. And, um, and, and I, I, you know, at the time when you're young and you're going for the Olympics, you're like, yeah, let's do this. Right. And now I can get through these injuries, but now 45, I'm like, oh man, my ribs ache, my spine aches, you know, my neck hurts. Uh, so. yeah. Hey, did you watch the movie cool runnings? And of course. it was like, this is totally unrealistic or was <laughs> it, was it a realistic portrayal to bobsled? You know, uh, like the great thing about that video about that movie at the time was it made really good footage right of the track like there's a lot of and actually that was shot in calgary where i live now but it's a yeah it's not too far off you know like you know smart like bobsled you can get guys who are just athletic and you can get a sled and you can go and um and uh, i did bobsled for a few years after i stopped doing luge and, and i'll tell you man it's a lot of fun i actually like bobsled more than i did luge oh, yeah. um but uh, no, cool runnings. If you, if someone hasn't seen it, you gotta watch it. It's a it's a it's a fun, it's a funny movie. It's a fun movie, and it's real. And there's still a bar. Like the, a lot of guys don't know this. Like so, the Jamaicans they raised money. They came to Calgary and they went to a bar in town, and called Ranchman's. It's a big cowboy bar in Calgary's big cowboy city. And they had a party and they raised enough money to buy two sleds, a two man and a four man. And that, and they still have a sled sticking out of the side of the bar here. Oh. <laughs> Jamaica ball sled. So yeah, it's a, nice. cool, it's a cool deal, but it's a real, it's a, it's the real deal watching it for sure. So you get partnered up with this guy and what did yeah. training look like? Was this all day, every day or how long did you guys have to do this? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting message that I, that I, when I speak to organizations now, uh, I, I talk a lot about it. It's like, you know, you're basically immersing yourself in a culture and you know, you know this from your type of work. It's like, you know, you may, you may run into the Starbucks and someone says, ask you what you do and you say, Oh, we're in real estate. What do you do? Oh, I'm an accountant. And you kind of like, after that, you're kind of done. You don't really get each other's worlds. But when you're with a bunch of people who are in the real estate business, it's like, no, it's totally normal. When I, would go to Lake Placid, New York to train at the Olympic Training Center, this is what you did. It's like we're all on path to be Olympians. So, you know, what you're doing training-wise all day, every day, three times a day, you know, you're eat, drink, and sleep in your sport. And, and, and that's what really to be ultimately really successful at anything, you kind of have to do. But you immediately run into a challenge when you run into people who are outside of that culture 
they question everything. And so you might in your head have this, like, you know, I had this goal of, Hey, I, I want to go to the Olympics now. Like, this is cool. Like, I think I could do that. Like, let's do that. And then, and then you'd go home and you'd run into people who weren't in that same culture going like, dude, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. And for years, I actually thought I was crazy. You know, people, you people say, Oh, you're doing luge. Sure. You're nuts. You're yeah. absolutely ridiculously crazy. And I'd be like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and what's funny is that when you think that you're actually kind of now, like just kind of out of it, you don't think of all the things you put into something. You don't think of like the goal setting and the dedication and the overcoming adversity. You don't think all that stuff. You just think that you're kind of different. But the truth is, is that when people say that about you, it says more about them than it does about you. And, and, and we are in a culture now because of the internet, because of YouTube, because of, you know, we can get online right now and see an example of somebody doing something that we think is just nuts. But really, what that does when you go to right to crazy is that you totally turn off the possibility that maybe you could do that, right? And so, yeah, going to Lake Placid, you're totally immersed in that Olympic culture, and it's amazing. And you almost have to then keep yourself in that environment. Just like nowadays in, in work and in business, we have to keep reminding ourselves that what we're doing is actually the right yeah. thing and getting around other people who may be doing it to realize that we're not crazy <laughs> so yeah. so i hope that kind of that resonates because it's it's true it's it's 100 percent true but well, it is a lifetime if, thing. if your goal is to get to the olympics something that a very very small percentage of the world can actually do it's like you you have to you know submerge yourself into that discipline and that training and, and that work ethic so yeah i mean you totally have to do it to to be a part of that exclusive club you know everything has that one percent right you know i see you know i see guys who've got real estate signs for instance is like oh you know one percent seller whatever yeah there's a lot of one percent real estate agents out there you know to to do that it, it to do that though it's 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 attainable like it's it's there and and people very quickly go oh i could never do that and you're like wait, wait a second you're not even thinking that you could so why not ask a different question and think well how could i do that you know if if i was to do that what would i need to do mm. and then you now come up with completely different answers right whereas otherwise otherwise you don't get any answer you know, I struggle. I got a son, 12 years old now. You know, he goes online and he goes, oh, I could never do that. I'm like, what, what do you mean you don't think you could do that? And it could be anything. It could be soccer. It could be doing the water bottle flip thingy, whatever. You know, it's like I see so many kids now nowadays, and I sound really old when I say that. Kids nowadays. Kids, yeah. Damn, kids. <laughs> Stay off my lawn. Stay off my luge. Yeah. But it's like they, they just totally shut down because – they don't think that they could possibly do it. And I think that's really sad in a lot of ways. Were your parents really supportive? I mean, you got musician parents that were master's levels, educated. I mean, they're just going to drop their kid off at Lake Placid when he's 15. I mean, how was that? How did that whole thing work out? You know, they were very supportive, surprisingly. You know, they probably didn't fully understand. I think, you know, my mom says it best because she was an opera singer right and there's a lot of parallels between being a high performer as a musician and being a high performer in sports 
Uh, but also being a high performer in anything requires a similar path. And so, you know, I think at, at first, you know, I'm an only child and, you know, they're probably bummed that I was leaving, but they're also excited about it. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the most important thing is that, you know, I, in, my, in, my, in my book, in An Athlete's Guide to Sports and Life, you know, I see a lot of parents who don't understand what their kid's going through. And that results in, I therefore don't approve of it, you know? As opposed to having a mindset of like, hey, that thing you're doing is unique, let's put it that way, and I support you, I don't necessarily know everything about it, but that at least per- keeps it going, other than you know, having a parent who just goes, you're crazy, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you're not doing that. And so, so they were very good like that, very supportive in that way, not to kibosh it and to just kind of let it go and to see where it went and then but also with a with a knowing of like you know hey, if you're going to do this if you're going to take this time you're going to leave school if you're going to move to lake placid if you're going to you know spend money on it you know there's got to be some sort of a, a plan here like what are you what are you doing and um and as long as there was a plan then they were supportive yeah you know? and i think that's i think that's fair right so yeah so so you guys you, you and your partner, you qualify for the Olympics. You get that phone call or the coach tells you or whatever, or I guess you win whatever qualifier they have. I mean, walk us through a little bit of, you know, dude, I'm going to the Olympics. Like, and then what was competing in the Olympics like? Well, I'll share with you a story. Like in, in, in 92, which was – I had only been competing for four years at that time, and we had, we were the fastest doubles team in the United States. And the year – um, of that Olympics, they, we, we had Olympic trials and they were all back in Lake Placid. And so it was like a couple races in Lake Placid and the Lake Placid track was very different than the, the track that the, where the Olympics were going to be. And so we were the fastest American team in France, but we, we came back to Lake Placid and the track is like really twisty, turny. It's kind of the difference between like downhill skiing and slalom skiing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, but we lost a race in Lake Placid by a really close uh, close margins, like it was like eight hundredths of a second, three three sleds, all eight hundredths of a second apart, and um, and so the 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 number one team in that race, Chris and Gordy, they they automatically made the Olympic team, and the second team uh, was going to be picked by coach's discretion, and because of a little kind of mix up in the men's singles event, they took the other doubles team that was actually the third fastest doubles team, and we got left home. Mm. Oh and, wow! And that was like crushing, gut wrenching, yeah. right? Crushing. I, you know, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, there's people still that I know who were in the room when that announcement was made, and they remember like Mark and my reaction. They were just like, "It's ridiculous." Um, but what came out of that adversity was kind of this idea, like, you know what? The next Olympics, we are going to let it come down to a coach's decision. We want it all in our mm. control. And I think that's really important. You know, it's that is that a lot of people rely on outside factors, and and you really just got to be so darn good that it's it's that people don't have a choice. And so, because of actually our experience, the Olympic trials event was completely changed, and and it is what it is now. It goes more on like World Cup results, and and so we earned enough points. Um, to just race on to the Olympic team. And, um, but the year of the Olympics, the year prior to the Olympics, we were fourth overall in the world. We had won a couple of world cup medals. And then the year of the Olympics, we had just a crap year. Like we, it, we couldn't put two runs together. It was ridiculous. And, but we were the fastest American team on the track for Norway. 
but we had had such a bad fall that our coaches gave the A seed to the other team. And so when we race, um, uh, our bib number, our start number was 17. And uh, so we went 45 minutes after the first sleds. So we, in 45 minutes, the ice starts to deteriorate. And so you're basically going, you know, on a, on a slower track. And so after the first run, we were fifth. And our teammates who got the other jersey from our coaches, they, they drew number one. Mm-hmm. And we were right behind them. And then in the second run, we, we again went 45 minutes after the first sleds. And we, we beat them and we were fourth. And, you know, some people would say that had we had that other jersey number, we would have finished in the medals. But whatever but it was also kind of a gut-wrenching moment you know all right. just lost lost faith in you a little bit so but anyway so it's all it's all good news walk us through the results i mean i can't imagine losing done. by three tenths of a second now how do you now how do you take that with you like i mean gold there's a half a second between you and gold three tenths of a second between you and bronze i mean how do you deal with that you know, uh, what's interesting is that in the world of sports, you 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 feel like you lo- you lost, right? You, you did lose, like you didn't you didn't medal, you don't get your stuff. I got a cool plaque, you know. I think you may see up there. In the, did you get a participant ribbon? You got a participant <laughs> in the Olympics. <laughs> you got if you finished up top six, you had this cool like diploma thingy, and um and um, and but but you know it was it had been the end of a very tough year and so it was a really good result out of a really bad year and what's interesting is that in sports you can kind of take solace in, in that you go like hey wow you know we had a really crazy year but um but 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 that was a really good race we put two runs in it was a really good race what we had and you go like hey we did the best what we could i have yet to really embrace that same attitude in my work life away from sports you know, I think I fall in this category of entrepreneurs that get caught in the gap between where you've come and how much further you want to go. Yeah. Right. There's always this horizon that seems to be moving, whereas in sports, the horizon is very much defined. Yeah. But in, in business, in, in, in life, we're always chasing, you know, higher revenues, mm-hmm. you know, more sales, bigger, you know, bigger, co- bigger price per transaction, whatever you yeah. got, you know. And 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 so I I suffered, I would say I suffer now with that where I don't give myself enough credit now for the work that I've done. You know, I just finished a book, you know, and, 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 and I'm still kind of going like, well, now nah, I just got to sell that thing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. And so, um, so, you know, it, it's, so you can look at missing a medal and go like, oh, so close. What, a, you know, and, 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 and I totally get it. it. But at the end of that race, it was like, it felt like a good day, yeah. you know, so. So yeah, oh, is that? <laughs> I hope that answers the question. Yeah, I mean, and um, so the Olympics ends in 1994. Yep. Um, and everybody's told you that life's gonna suck after the Olympics. So what? What'd you do after the Olympics? You're still a pretty young guy at this time. I was, and I was also uh, I was a high school American in sport of lacrosse in in field lacrosse, and I had a chance to go to the University of Notre Dame, and um, and I decided not to go. Um, which was really tough because, you know, I, I had an opportunity to get my like college tuition paid for. Yeah. And, and I think this is an interesting lesson too, is that, you know, as a lot of athletes, you're in a really interesting environment. Like one, you have this totally subsidized lifestyle. 
mm-hmm. and you're living this crazy lifestyle. You're traveling the world. You're working out. You're around like really healthy people. Everybody, well, that could be argued, but you know, everybody's like fit and buff, and and you know, you're you're doing all this good stuff. And then now you got to transition that into the rest of your life, and that's really hard. Um, and the, the U.S. Olympic Committee puts together a program to help athletes transition, but I don't think they really do a great. I don't think you can. I look back on that and I go, you know, the, the lessons I was taught about, you know, hey, your life's going to suck after the Olympics, right? People outside of sport are going like, oh my God, that was amazing. It's the best thing ever. What they're really saying is like, wow, I'd love to go to the Olympics. That would probably seem really cool. And it seems cooler than what I'm per- per- currently doing. Yeah. Um, and so what happened was I kept kind of bumping back into sport. And, um, I, but actually through an effort to kind of keep going with sport, I worked with a strength conditioning coach out in Las Vegas. And he asked me a really interesting question. He goes, listen, he, he was writing for fitness magazines at the time. And he was like, Hey, you seem like a smart kid. I want I want to grow my business. Can you help me do that? And I said, well, sure. And that got me into the world of marketing mm-hmm. and information marketing and being around and, and, and being around people who were doers of things, but who were also really good at the marketing of that thing. Because we all know that that's really the recipe of success. It's like, you know, if you're not good at the marketing of what it is that you do, you're not going to have any clients. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have any sales. You're not going to have any revenue. You're going to have food on the table. And so, but that took a long time. That took like six or six years for that to really happen. And so it wasn't an easy transition out of sport. Um, you know, you've probably heard that, you know, I think it's a Buddhist saying, you know, man who ch- chases two rabbits loses both. Yes. And so when you're an athlete, you're kind of told, hey, listen, you just got to focus and do this one thing. That's, and that's hard. To re- it, it's super hard <laughs> because it, it, you put everything else uh, uh, away and you put school away and you put, you know, all this other stuff away, relationships, you move on. And that's not an easy lesson to overcome later when you're actually now have to be like a dad and, and, and a husband and you got to have, you know, you got to make money and, and soothe your soothe your other needs too. So, yeah, it's not an easy transition for sure. So, but yeah. uh, but it's led me now to becoming an author and consulting with people and and speaking to organizations because there are a lot of really good lessons to learn from sport that I wish more people understood. It's not just hard work and, and dedication and goal setting. There's so many other you know more sophisticated measurements of success that I think we need to we're not taught in school. Yeah. And and we typically have to learn them just kind of through experience. What so are like what are some, that. what are some of them that you typically share with people? Well, you know, one of the things when I when I speak to a, a corporate group, um, you, you know, we we I bring the lessons of just of that we've really got three key abilities to be successful in in anything. We have a physical ability, a technical ability, and a tactical ability. Right. So one back to the physically. Train. In the United States, you know, as a whole, we're getting pretty bad physically, right? You know, we're we're going downhill, uh, and so, but so a lot of people are just basically walking around with their brain on top of their this, you know, uh, their body, and the and we put a lot of emphasis on like, well, what do we know, and and we try to get the results out of that. But what we don't pay enough attention to is that if we can improve our physical side, that everything else improves. Uh, you know, our thinking improves, our ability to be creative improves, and that goes right to the bottom line. You know, if you can come up with a creative solution to a business problem, you're going to have more profits. You're going to have more money, right? You're going to minimize, like, you know, employee turnover, stuff like that, you know? But 
a lot of people focus on the technical side of things, especially in, 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 in business, you know, more certifications, right? You know, more courses, more, you know, more this, more that, you know, and that works maybe if you're a doctor or a, a lawyer or an accountant, but really the, the third part of that is that tactical side. You know, when do you do what it is you do? You know, you, how do you apply what it is you know? If you don't pay attention to those three different abilities, the physical, the technical, and tactical, eventually you reach a ceiling. And what I find a lot of a lot of companies do, a lot of entrepreneurs do, is they focus only on on one, maybe two of those things. Um, but when they focus on the third one, uh, that whatever that third one may be for them, that success really happens. And the other thing about sports that really hampers people that, and so people look at sports, they go like, "Wow, isn't that an amazing performance?" And they assume that it's all them, but really, there's so many things that go around a great performance. Uh, so many people that help make that performance possible. And as entrepreneurs who might be listening to this, we try to do a lot of it on our own. And we never get to this point where we get a little bit of a buffer zone. I, I, I call it, you know, lifestyle creep sucks all the money. And so we don't have money necessarily or resources to hire other people to help us do things, complete projects, right? We, we tend to rely that it has to be all on us and really the most successful entrepreneurs would tell you that it's all, it's actually assembling a bit of a team. But if what, if what happens, if lifestyle creep or business creep comes in where it sucks all the available resources, you don't have ability to get to that next level, mm -hmm. right? And so great performances in sport and anything come from what I call the reserve. You know, it's, it's you picture a glass of water. If the glass of water is totally full, the second you try to move that around, you're spilling out. It's not good. You're stressed out. You're just tapped. But when you get a little bit of space in there, now we can take that glass anywhere, right? We can move it. We can even run with it if there's enough space. But what I find a lot of people do, especially entrepreneurs, like, hey, you make the next sale and you might have a bill to pay or you might have maybe more, more importantly, you might have a toy you want, it, maybe a better car, more clothes, whatever. Well, all that, all that, you just sucked all those resources out of that and now you have no space. <clears throat> You have no space to thrive. You're always in survival mode. And so that's what I teach people is that if you're always in, in, in survival mode, you never have great performances. You got to have some sort of reserve to help make that, make that happen. You are literally talking to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that's true though, man. What do people need to do to make that transition to take that big step? You know, the f we are in a we are in a world where we are surrounded by messages of more, of better. I drive my son to school every day, and I pass a Lamborghini dealership. Doesn't mean these his school is like next to. Don't get me wrong, right? But but I pass a Lamborghini dealership every single morning, and I am like, hey, I I want that. I want that. And there's no reason why I can't have that, and there's no reason why anybody can't have that. It's just like a goal, right? It's just like an Olympic medal, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people go, hey, that's crazy. I could never afford one. Better question, what do I need to do to afford that, to make that happen? What do I need to do to make it happen in my life? In the short term, you do have to put the brakes on a little bit. You know, when we're teaching an athlete on how to be a, a high performer and we move them up the track, like when I first learned how to do luge, I didn't go right off the top. You move down. You start low, where you so you can sort of understand what's going on. You got space to think. You can then have a really good performance. If you move up too quick, now you're in, in survival mode. You can't think. You can't thrive. So people need to, to really put the brakes on a little bit 
and they might have to scale back. Now, I'm not, I'm not preaching some Susie Orman like cut the credit card thing. That's not the message I'm, t- I'm trying to say here. But if life's not flowing, and I've been through stages in my life where life has definitely not been flowing, you have to kind of reel it in a little bit to get some headspace and then make the next plan. And then when you have, when, when and the, really the, the, the thing we all really, the goals, the, or I should say the, the grade for sports and the grade for entrepreneurship is money, right? That's the game. That's the result of the game. You got to have a little bit in reserve so that you can think. Um, and, and too many people nowadays are saddled in debt. They're trying to keep up with the Joneses and you really have to like, turn off the messages that are from come that are bombarding us every day you got to limit like what you're reading and what you're looking at and what you and just go like listen what's in it for me you got to find some space in your head like you, you know whether you go for a long walk or meditate whatever you need to do but you got to come back a little bit so that you can make some room to really think yeah. and, and that's what the best performers will see you guys interviewed jp sears right mm-hmm. you know perfect example of a guy who has had time enough to think to be creative for one. That's why we all laugh at his has work, but also have enough space to be able to. What's the next step to really make this business grow? And he's around some great people now. Yeah. And and and, and so that's where high high performance comes not from pushing and and I, I don't like the message that we get from you know I, I love a guy like Gary Vaynerchuk I appreciate what he does but I hate the message. Mm-hmm. When the message is hustle, hustle, hustle every single day. Hustle your face off. <laughs> yeah. And listen, it, 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 when I really lose the message when people say that and they don't have kids. Yes. You know, yes. yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> and, and, but, but it's taken me a long time to learn that, yeah. right? Because those people are usually at the front. They're, they're the ones you see the most. But you, you got to create some headspace to be able to succeed. And that only really comes when you reel it in a little bit. And people don't like to do that. Like we're just not really wired for that, but you gotta get a little headspace in order to be able to thrive. Yeah, yeah. So that's so yeah. let's talk. Let's talk about your book, man. The Athlete's Guide to Winning in Sports and Life. What made you decide to to write a book? Well, so so a couple things. Like I've been messing with a book now for I've, I've I know a lot of really successful successful authors. I I've coached people. I think everybody should write a book. Um, you know, you basically, I, I think. No matter what business you're in, you need to surround yourself with credibility devices. The thing about a book that's really interesting that gets people kind of confused is you can write a book for a number of different reasons. And and I wrote this book book first because it was the easiest one for me to write. I'm really passionate about athletes. I'm really pa- passionate about parents and sports. And 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 I think we're doing a, a big disservice in the United States with sports. Everybody knows somebody who's got a kid in sports or maybe had one or was. And so it was the easiest book for me to write, but it was really a book about, it's a big book. It's a 300 page, but it's like a Tim Ferriss book. Mm. And, and the thing about it is that it's a, um, it's a lesson in, I, I wanted to distill what I had in my head. And I think that's what everybody should do. Everybody's an expert in something and no matter what their market is. And, uh, and, and they should, the book was really about distilling my thoughts and my lesson because if you knew an athlete or a parent of an athlete or someone who coaches athletes, they should have this book. And, and if they don't, they're probably just focusing on the technical side of their sport. And like we talked about earlier, you've really got to talk about more than that. And what happens is we spend so much time and effort in sports and in life 
usually focusing on the technical side. And you've got those three key abilities you got to nail down, and and but then you've got to surround it with your own belief in your abilities. And the book talks a lot. Of, it, this is a book that if somebody wasn't even involved in sports, they could read this book, and they could really apply what's in there to whatever it is they're doing. You know, and and so the book to me, it was important for me to get it out because I felt like if I died tomorrow, I'd be really disappointed. Um, but secondly, I just run into so many people who just don't get it. I was an unlikely Olympian. My story does not make a lot of sense to people. Like, it's like, how the hell did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> right? I wasn't born to Olympic parents. I wasn't, you know. And so, but I run into, I mean, we're, we're, we're inundated every day with people who are, if we're watching sports on TV, or if, you know, we spend more money now on, on youth sports. Yeah. And a lot of people have a really twisted message about youth sports today. They just think it's horrible. They want to just, oh, just let the kids play. And that's not the message either because what kids really want to do is they want to be successful. You know, they want to have something that they're good at. And when they lose, they don't like it. But what happens is we never teach the kids how they should deal with winning or losing. And that's one aspect of this book is to really help them families deal with this idea of like, you know, hey, if you've got a kid involved with sports and we need to teach them this, all this stuff. And it's a lot of work and a lot of people don't necessarily, I like to say this book isn't a, isn't a popular book, although it should be, um, you know, it's, it, it's, but to answer your, the long answer to your question, like, why did I want to write it? I see so much pain and suffering when people talk about sports. It doesn't matter if the kid's in like U5 or if they're in college or they're trying to go pro. There's such a muddy message, and this book aims to clean that up. Awesome, man. Hey, real quick, before we wrap up, talk about your podcast. How long have you been doing that? Who, what kind of audience do you have, or you know, who is it for? And Just kind of give us a quick overview on that. So the, the, the podcast is the, the businesscalledyou.com, and I should back up and say I guess that people can learn more about the book at athletespecific.com forward slash book. Um, but the podcast, probably very similar to, to what you guys are doing in some ways, I'm, I'm just really interested in people. I, I, I like having really interesting conversations. And I think what happens, you know, with, I get sick of, you know, watching CNN or whatever. I just, I get bored by all of it. But because what happens is when we get around other people who are doing cool stuff, you just feel yourself energized. Yeah. And I wanted to share that because I know a lot of really cool people. And, and I think, you know, the podcast is, is a way to share some of that and to be learning every day and, and be inspired and energized. And, and, and from a, a marketing standpoint, if we want to look at it just from a business standpoint, it can make you stand out. You know, like we talked offline, but I love the fact that you guys are doing this in South Carolina <laughs> and you're pulling off a podcast, which is completely like, it's 180 to what people think you would or should be doing. Right. Because the long-term play of it is you get to meet some really great people. You get to network. If you do it right, you know, if you follow up, if you stay involved, um, you know, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's energizing. And yeah. I, when I meet people, especially business owners, if they've got any entrepreneurial bits in them, if they're listening to the radio or music in their car, I'm like shocked, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm like, seriously, if you're in business for yourself, 
or if you are like a commissioned salesperson, you have no right to listen <laughs> to just music. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, I, I'm pretty hard on myself. I say like, I'm not successful enough to do that yet. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, um, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I appreciate it, but I'm like, there's so much to learn. Yeah. You gotta yeah. Break it out the, uh, it's the, it's For a guy who never went back to college, it's, 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 you know, I've learned more. I, mean, I think so I got a PhD in so many things. Yeah. Than, My buddy so, calls yeah. it a windshield university. Right. Right. <clears throat> yeah. You know, if you listen to get some Tom, Tom Hopkins or whatever, you know, it's depending on what your field is in, like in a year, literally in a year, you should be, you're, 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 your head and shoulders but yeah. anybody else in your field and then you should probably write a book about it <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> what i learned on podcasts all right man well, we got like 60 seconds left why don't you uh, just remind everybody who you are where they can find you what all you do and just kind of take us home man this is awesome uh, i appreciate you guys having me on a couple things first off if you know of an athlete who's got big dreams and you know of parents and coaches who are trying to support that athlete they need a copy of my book go to athletespecific.com forward slash book. And I think what I'll do, we were talking about this before, I'll put a free chapter up there and you can download a free chapter. But really, you know, it's the best 25 bucks you're gonna spend um, uh, if, if you're in that field. My podcast is over at thebusinesscalledyou.com. And uh, and also that would start, you know, I really appreciate people who are, who are trying to do their own thing. If they're mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, business owners, and that's what that that's for. Um, and then for if you've got an organization where you want someone like me to come speak and set them straight or have some fun with it, you know, I speak to, I speak to schools, I speak to corporations. Um, so head on over to the high performance and you can check me out there. But, uh, but yeah, reach out. I'm very easy to find, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook at Olympic Jonathan, real easy. So uh, don't be afraid to reach out. And if you heard this and you like the message, send us a note. Let us know that you heard it. That's really why we do this. And too few people actually take the time yes, to reach sir. out and say hi. So please uh, send us all a note and let us know that something we said made a difference in your life. Absolutely. So thanks, guys. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Well, Jonathan, thanks for coming on the Jones Zone. Thanks, man. It was a pleasure. Cheers. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much for listening to the Jones Zone podcast with Chris and Brian Jones. We'll catch you on the next episode.